Well, hello there, wonderful teachers. I want to invite you to an event we're doing this summer. It's in Cincinnati, Ohio, so you have to be able to make it there, but it might be worth traveling for if you're able to. It's happening on July 20th and 21st, so that's over a weekend, and it's going to be the best two days for teachers. We're going to have a ton of fun. We're going to learn a lot about pedagogy and creative teaching and business. We have two fabulous guest speakers and we're even going to finish with an optional Kaylee. That's an Irish dancing party. So I hope you'll be able to join me. Just go to vibrantmusicteaching.com slash turbo that's dot com slash t-u-r-b-o 24 the numbers two four. I hope you'll check it out view all the details there and I hope to see you in Cincinnati in July. On with the episode. Vibrant, vibrant, vibrant music teaching. Proven and practical tips, strategies, and ideas for music teachers. You're listening to the Vibrant Music Teaching Podcast. I'm Nicola Canton, and in this episode, we're talking with Joanna Scheel about transfer students and some of the issues that crop up with them. Today, lovely teachers, we're joined by Joanna Scheel, who's one of our staff writers and editors at Vibrant Music. Her most recent article just came out on the blog, and it's all about helping transfer students who rely a bit too much on memorization. So, Joanna, welcome. Let's start with describing these students. How can we recognize them? Who are they? Yeah, they're that student that you get. And I'm partly describing myself as how I was as a student as well. But they may have come from another teacher or from another system where they were preparing a lot for exams or for recitals or performances or maybe being pushed a little bit to learn very quickly. So, you know, you'll have them arrive at your studio and they might play a piece that's gorgeous, like amazing. But, you know, if there's a stumble or they stop halfway through, they find it really difficult to just carry on or to make it sound musical and to keep it flowing. And you know, if you put a piece of music in front of them as well, they might be really stumped at how to read the music and you'll just start to see like little gaps in their knowledge. So I know here in the UK, especially, there's a huge emphasis on exams. So we often get a lot of transfer students that, you know, are being just learning the same kind of pieces every year and they're not really getting a good, well-rounded education music as such. Um, so there's a lot of issues there sometimes there kind of not really understanding the pieces or they might just learn a technical part of the piece to be able to play that particular piece of music. But yeah, if you gave them maybe another piece of music with similar elements in it, they might not quite get it or it might take them a really long time to learn the music. So it's really these kind of students. Yeah, or a piece that's several levels below what they're playing. They still wouldn't be able to read it by themselves. Yeah. A lot of the time that this does happen in the exam system, of course it can happen elsewhere, but Joanna and I have both had a lot of experience with getting transfer students who've done a lot of exams, and this is why they're like this, because the teacher is under pressure to do that exam every year, and if the student isn't practicing enough or whatever's going on, they end up just playing it for the student a lot, and the student does what I tend to call accidental rote learning, which is Mm -hmm. the teacher didn't intend it to be a rote piece, but they've just demonstrated it because they're frustrated because the student isn't getting it. And the student has then picked it up by ear, by rote. And so they didn't intentionally memorize it. They just 
that's what happened and because they only have to learn three pieces of a year, they get away with that. I'm curious, Joanna, if you've seen this too. There's a particular point at which that becomes a problem. It's normally like grade three, maybe they can get away with it at grade four and then they fall off a cliff. Suddenly it is impossible to learn their pieces that way. Have you seen that? Yeah, absolutely. And there seems to be like, that's when the point of motivation really like dips as well, because then they're finding that it's not, that it's taking them longer to learn things or that it's kind of boring actually, just just like learning that way. Because <laughs> then you can't really take it to another piece of music and learn something else that you want to learn. You know, you, it's, yeah. you're kind of hitting roadblocks all the time. And it can be really demoralizing to suddenly be, you know, to say, oh, I can play a Greek four or five, right? You can pass that exam, but then you can't play a grade one piece, for example, and you feel like you're kind of backtracking a little bit. So I think that's that often, if what has happened. Yeah, I think demoralizing is, a, is the right word as well, because a lot of students in this scenario, they don't realize that the teaching was the problem, the way they were going through the exams or whatever they were doing. They think they're the problem. They think, oh my gosh, I've been taking lessons for six years and I can't read basic things what's wrong with me but it's because of the lack of repertoire okay so that's what the problem is let's think about how we can solve that problem what can we do about it when we get these students yeah it's really just starting to introduce healthy ways of memorizing so you know starting to it might be just putting them back and giving them a little bit more of a morale boost, you know, taking them through a sight reading book where they can start to learn endovalic reading, where they can start to learn patterns and shapes and the building blocks of what makes piece of music. Even just things like improvisation and composition, they can feel more challenging, even if it's then like taking them back to a more basic level of understanding music. It might be something that they've never really done before, but it can be an amazing way to, you know, learn what a one five chord is and, and play it in many different keys. You could even bring it in, especially if they have good knowledge around scales, you could, you know, bring it back to the scales that they already know. And I always, always love great pieces. I think that's a really great way to introduce, you know, to keep that levels playing high yes a lot of great pieces sound very impressive but you can also use it as a tool to help them then sight read music you know if you give introduce or teach them a rate piece you can give them the music to look at and help them connect the dots and help them see the patterns and the shapes and that can be really useful as well and yeah absolutely i think it's funny some teachers might think oh why are we teaching them rope pieces aren't we trying to get rid of that but intentional rope pieces are a different thing. They're designed based on patterns and they really highlight some of these elements of music. So it's not the same thing as these accidental memorizations that have been happening. And by breaking that away, I think you get to keep that experience of them playing things that sound rich and impressive. If you do need to scale their reading back and, you know, cover improvisation and composition and these kinds of things, it's fantastic to build up their theory as well. But with the reading... I think a lot of teachers are very worried for this question a lot of times. They get a transfer student, their reading is very poor, and yet the teacher doesn't want to put them back to the beginning because they think, well, then they're just going to give up completely. So where do you stand on that, Joanna? Do you try and go easy on them? Do you just say it straight to them and go back to the beginning? What do you do? 
I think it's important to make sure you give them a, a wide range of music. You know, I think having some quick little wins or quickly going through a level one book and you can just say, we're just going through this to work on our sight reading or to see what we can do to have a bit of fun. But at the same time, maybe, you know, if they are at a grade five level, I mean, you have to have some ability, right, to get to that level anyway. So I would maybe, you know, create a list of grade four to five pieces and see what they want to learn, like what do they enjoy and maybe choose small sections of those pieces to start working on them. You know, in addition to like bringing them back down to that low level, I think it's a good way to go about it so that they feel like they're not sort of going back in time, that they can still keep moving forward and learning. I mean, because, you know, when you get do get to grades three, four, five, like intermediate level, there are some really beautiful pieces that start to like open up to you, pieces that others might recognize. So, uh, yeah, I think it's a challenging when you have to be careful i think like using lots of games as well and trying to keep it fun maybe trying to find those places where they might not have explored you know as i mentioned before improvisation or composing they might not have done that they probably haven't if they're going through this exam system or even if they've like come to you just learning from youtube or learning from an app that's another place where you might have a memorization kind of issue where they haven't quite got a solid grip on reading so yeah, that's that's how I always feel about it. I think having a nice like mixed level range of pieces is probably the right place to go. Yeah, you definitely want to have variety in there. But at the same time, you're introducing them to a lot of different areas of music that they haven't met before. So personally, I prefer at the very start to just be straight with them. Look, hey, you're coming here to my studio. It's a bit different to your other teachers. It's not the same. And we do all these other things. So it's going to feel a bit strange. And also we're going to do some reading things that you think look way too easy. And that's part of the process. It's not like I'm not putting you back at the beginning. But at the same time, you do have gaps because you've been in this narrow system and I'm trying to expose you to all this different stuff. I find if I explain it, you know, fairly clearly without being harsh or at any point criticizing the other teacher, I'm just talking about different ways of teaching, not your old teacher was bad. <laughs> I'm going to be a good yeah. teacher. But to explain to them and to their parents right from the start, okay, so this is where they're great. We've got these other areas that I like to teach and make sure they've covered. So we're going to, you know, have to start at the beginning with them. And that's just part of how we go. What about the question then? Maybe this hasn't happened to you. Because when they come to teach like you, Joanna, or me, a lot of parents are just looking for something different. But I think... Especially when I was a bit of a younger teacher, I would have had parents who come to me and say, oh, he's already started preparing for grade four. So can he do that at Christmas? What do you do? I think you just have to be really upfront and really clear as well. You know, sometimes parents just don't understand the system, the exam system and how, how it kind of works. I always, I remember like being at college and most of my peers when I was doing my levels around 18, we're at grade eight. I like to say it kind of follows the school system. You know, some kids get there sooner and some kids take their time. But sometimes it's just a knowledge thing. They don't quite understand all of the work and all of the effort that goes into preparing for an exam. But also, yeah, you have to just be upfront about yourself as a teacher as well in the studio and, and what you stand for. And it might be that you're really the wrong fit 
And then if some, if you get a parent and they're like, you know, we want to do this by this time, you know, maybe that's not quite the right thing. You have to, I mean, you're the expert and they're coming to you for what you offer. So you have to kind of stand your ground a little bit as well. But I was going to say, I think communication is a huge part of this. So, you know, making sure that parents and families and students are super clear on all of the steps and things that need to happen. It might be that they just don't know. I think also throughout this process of taking on this transfer student, if they do have an issue in memorization or they've been overly playing the same few pieces, you know, communicating your plan and directly communicating what they've achieved or what they're learning or what you're working on. It might be that you need to do that a bit more frequently at the beginning as you ease into this transition. And hopefully over time, they can see the benefits of being in your studio and being with you and they'll stay. Yeah, I do think it's tough for parents who, if they know very little about music themselves and the student comes to you and they're playing for release, the parent thinks that is impressive. And you do have to really put in some education, say it in a nice, not a condescending way, but you do have to be quite clear if they're doing an arrangement of the piece. It's not the original. Like the parent doesn't know that that's not what's happening, that there's this whole other section that's actually way more challenging, mm-hmm. less famous. So yeah, just being clear. And I think anytime I've explained to parents what's really going on and what my plan is, they've immediately been set at ease because all they want was a plan. The reason Mm -hmm. they were so stuck on this grade system or for, you know, non-exam areas, maybe it's a particular piece they want to aim towards or particular recital goals, whatever. But often the reason they're stuck on that is because they want to see progress. It's that simple. So just explaining, I have a plan. I know where we're going. I've got this is often enough (laughs) to get them to stop insisting on a particular thing. And listeners may have heard this from me before, but I also have a rule, which is no student can take an exam within the first two years of studying with us. Just a blanket rule, two years. I stole this from Tim Topham and it makes a big difference to just say no question. Doesn't matter how great their previous lessons were. We need time to adjust. So two years, no exams. I really like that. I'm going to take that. I may even make it three years. Yeah, it's a good rule because it's, it goes for beginners too, because beginner students would never do exams within the first two years of my studio. So it just makes it clear, no matter who you are, you join us, no exams for two years. And then we'll I look think at it. I, mean, yeah, I think it's, it's kind of the exams for as well, like the labeling of things in music are assigned that we label things like elementary and beginner. I think beginner, yeah, but often it can take three years to get to that late beginner stage where you're not a beginner at that point. I know. It's so irritating, those labels. My least favorite one is easy piano Mm -hmm. because it's used for like late beginner, sometimes early intermediate looking pieces. And you're like, easy, come on, you're really offending people. This is unnecessary. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I think I've had students that have done, you know, they've been doing karate or something and they take their first belts. (laughs) And then yeah. his parents are like, why haven't they got grade one in piano? Like, they've been learning for a year, you know, so. Yeah, okay. absolutely. Well, thanks for coming on the show again, Joanna, and talking through these memorization issues. Hopefully it gives teachers some food for thought. So, yeah, thanks for coming on and chatting. Thank you. It's been great. 
So we would love to hear about your experience with students who memorize everything. Come chat with us over on Instagram. We are at Colorful Keys. If you liked this episode, you would absolutely love Viper Music Teaching Membership. We have the support and the training you need to take your teaching further. Join us today by going to vmt.ninja and signing up. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Vibrant Music Teaching Podcast. I hope you loved it and I wanted to pop on here one more time to remind you about our event. It's happening in Cincinnati this July and you can get all the details at vibrantmusicteaching.com slash turbo. See you there.